Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we're so happy to be joined by an old college friend of mine, professional Broadway actress, Blair Goldberg. Hey guys. Hi, Blair. Hey, thanks Hello. for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Where are you joining us from today? I am in Long Island, on Long Island, uh, in a town called Port Washington, about 30 minutes out of New York City. You just bought a house there, right? We did, yeah. We moved out of the city right before this whole COVID thing hit. Magically, well, we we were in contract in February before this all hit, and then we closed right in the middle of it. So we've been here like four or five months now. It's been great. Nice. So what's your um, what's your history with the show Parenthood? Were you a frequent watcher? Have you are you new to it? I didn't watch it from the beginning, but I um, caught on probably like right when I graduated college around 2011. Someone tipped me off on the fact that it was a great heartwarming show. (laughs) And uh, I remember quickly binging it, like starting from the top, quickly binging it and getting caught up probably around 2013 around there. And then I watched it every week. Uh, until the end. And um, I think it it ended in like early 2015, right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I was on tour with Kinky Boots and I'd watch it like after the show, you know, that would be my like good night thing on my little laptop before I went to bed. And then um, I do have one specific memory because it at the big finale, it was over. And I mean, you know, you cry every episode of that show, right? But I remember I cried really, really hard on the finale. And like, I'm not a huge crier. So I was confused. I was like, why am I crying so hard over this like fictional show? And um, two days later, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Oh, <laughs> I love that's that so beautiful. That's Maybe that awesome. was why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's both, maybe. But yeah, yeah, probably more the pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, we'll blame the baby. Oh, well, speaking great. of your daughter, tell us about Team Goldberg. Yeah. So I've got two kids uh, and a husband. So uh, my husband, Adam, is a high school choir director. So um, we're both very musical and our kids are maybe going to be very musical. Um, I'm a a Broadway performer. I'm a singer and an actor. And um, my daughter, Lila, is about to turn five uh, and go into kindergarten, which is insane Uh, (laughs) and depressing that this is her kindergarten year. But She'll be fine. And then I have a little baby boy named Nolan who just turned one. Oh, uh, yeah. We're uh, that, that, that's our team. And any siblings? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have um, an, a younger brother who's three years younger than me. His name is Cameron. And my mom and my dad, Judy and Stu, live also on Long Island, uh, just like 20, 30 minutes away from us. Oh, that's so great. In non-pandemic times, do you hang out with them like the Bravermans all do? Or are you like, that's Constantly. nuts? Uh, Constantly? <laughs> no, no, we are not. We are not like the Bravermans at all. Although like I ha- I do have, I'm done having kids, two and done. But I have like fantasies of having a huge family and like everyone just being at the house all the time. But uh, I don't have the space, nor the finances, nor the desire to be pregnant anymore or raise anymore. So I, uh, I I love that idea, but no, we were not. We don't have like we don't have a lot of cousins in my family, and the ones who we did have like were far. 
I get along with my family. Of course, we're, you know, we all love each other, but we are not uh, always at each other's house by any stretch. Although I will say, I will say having kids of my own has made me closer to my parents and, and my husband's parents and, and, and really strengthen the family dynamic because, you know, I want my kids to be close to their, to their grandparents. I think that's super important. Oh, of course. That makes perfect sense. I love that. It's just something we've noticed watching this show so closely. It's like none of them have any friends. I know. I know. <laughs> They're just hanging out with each other all the time. <laughs> and they all live like really close to each other, right? They're all yeah. There. Yeah. yeah, I think that would drive me a little nuts. <laughs> I appreciate it in in theory and for a TV show. It's quite it's quite lovely. And I do I love the idea of the holidays with like a big family that just like yeah. gets me that really gets me. Actually, I was at a friend of a friend's yesterday who had this humongous multi-million dollar mansion which is a whole nother story but they had five kids and I just couldn't get over the idea of like how even during this pandemic like they all just had each other and like how special that is and and that whole dynamic of just like you know you have built-in friends for life hopefully if they're close if you raise them right you know (laughs) yeah right Well, you know, sometimes I've been thinking lately, if we just played the right music, maybe my family would hang out all the time. You know, that's that might be the, the key. The, the whole Craft thing. your own montages. Yeah, then, then. That is exactly right. No, they do a good job with the music on that show. They do a good uh, job with everything. I wish it got better rate. I was actually talking to my husband this morning about it. I was like, I'm going to do this podcast about Parenthood. And he's like, I always liked watching that show with you. He's like, it didn't get very good ratings. And I, I didn't research that myself. Did it not? I don't know for sure. I just remember that every year when it would reach a season finale, it was always on the bubble. It's like, is this the series finale or just the season finale? And right. it's like always waiting to hear through the summer. Like, is it coming back? Yeah. It was never a sure thing. No, they they made every finale so that it could be the series finale, I believe. Right. So each okay. one is really emotional. But I do believe by the time they made the sixth one, they knew for a fact. That yeah, was the last that one, one I know. They were like, yeah. oh, this is our last one. And yeah. It was kind of an abbreviated. And the, the lengths of the seasons, some are like 13 episodes, some are 22. And then the summer in between, it was always, yeah. oh, we'll renew it, but only for 17 <laughs> I don't know why like I don't know it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and and why I love the show so much and I really do think it is that it is hopeful and it is big-hearted and I think maybe people want to think it's smarter than that or something or like they want cynical or they want edgy yeah so that's something we've talked about a little bit but maybe that's why but I don't get it Sometimes you sometimes you need just a warm blanket show. And that's yes. what it, that's totally what it is. It's a nice cozy blanket of a show. Yeah, it really is. Well, today we are discussing specifically season one, episode seven, what's going on down there? <laughs> It was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Adam Davidson, and it originally aired on April 13th, 2010. And here's the NBC synopsis. Adam wants to spend time with his family, but has trouble juggling their multiple schedules, especially while Gabby continues to work with Max. Sarah's relationship with Mr. Sear is going better than expected, making her wonder if she should tell Amber about them. Hattie spends career day at Julia's law firm, but her assignment causes Julia and Christina to reevaluate their respective career choices. Meanwhile, Crosby navigates the world of single parent dating. There it is. There it is. How about we start with Crosby's story? It seems like perhaps the smallest story of this episode. 
Oh, I, I meant to note, note, I think as of last episode, Tyree Brown is not in the opening credits, but he's now credited as a guest star. Well, that's something. He's out of the end credits, at least. Okay. We've been really bugged by the fact that he's not in the opening credits, like all the other kids are. It'd be different. He's Jabbar. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be different if none of the kids were. You know, if it was just like that, we're only putting the adults in the opening credits. But he's just as much a part of the show as everyone else. I don't know. He is, but I mean, to argue, they might not have known that he was going to be. They might have had to see where that storyline was going. I don't know. And then once they realized he was here to stay, they. They bumped him up. I know a lot of shows kind of do that, but no, I justice, justice for him. Yes. <laughs> um, I also noticed at his little play date with the friend from yoga, he's he's having ice cream, even though it's been established that he's lactose intolerant. Oh, Ooh. No. come Boy. on. Are there a lot of those faux pas that I'm not catching? I, I don't think so. One of our guests a few episodes ago noticed that Jabbar was having pizza. Ah, but there's cheese on it. Ooh. And I hadn't realized, I hadn't caught that. And then now this one, they're like, chocolate or vanilla? And he's like, vanilla. It's like, Ooh. don't have ice cream at all, Jabbar. <laughs> you know, it's interesting as an English teacher, uh, sometimes my students will argue that by analyzing something, we are, you know, ruining it. And... I don't think that's true. Even when we're noticing little things like this, I find it interesting. You know, I and and far more often we're not like nitpicking and finding little things like that. But we're like, you know, delving into maybe what the theme of an episode is, which is not something I would have thought about if I was just binging the show. Sure. Yeah. Or, or we're wondering why characters did what they did. And so my enjoyment of the show has gone up. And I hope my students think really that their enjoyment of books is going up. But, you know, we'll see, I guess. I feel like in general with this storyline, really all I want to know is your opinions on Crosby's behavior, whether it was right or wrong. Jasmine obviously confronts him at the end of the episode. You're busted. He told me about your play date. Well, I don't know what he told you. Our son is not chick bait, Crosby. Come on. Nothing happened. Really? Um, no, I mean, it was about to happen, but I stopped it. You stopped yeah, it? Yeah, I had a crisis of conscience. And, I mean, it was kind of a big life moment, actually. I'm really glad that you had a valuable learning experience while leaving our five-year-old son alone in the pool. What's wrong with you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, Jasmine, I want to be the guy you thought I was. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying. All right, so if they were not in the pool... I would 100% say, do you, Crosby, go let the kids play and live your dreams. But you can't <laughs> you can't leave a five-year-old alone in a pool. You can't do it. Even my daughter, who's a really great swimmer, really great swimmer. I took her to the pool about a week ago, and I got into a conversation with a nanny that was there with some other kids. And our kids were all playing together. And again, competent swimmer, no problem. And I just completely ignored her for about two and a half minutes and just talked to the nanny. And one of the girls was carrying my daughter back to me. And oh, my wow. daughter was like, mommy, I got tired. <gasps> yeah. So uh, Crosby, you got to be a better dad than that. Yeah, I thought that Jasmine was totally right in this situation. I think mostly because of the pool thing. I was just nervous the whole time he was making out with that woman. I was like, oh God, you should. And it was probably added. Caleb and I talked about this uh, before the podcast and the subtitles were different on the DVD versus uh, Hulu. And so I was watching it on Hulu and my version, the Hasselhoff, you know, the, the life 
Skarsgård, he assures Crosby by saying, Jabbar will be fine. But the Hulu subtitles say, he'll probably be fine. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's right, a big difference. That's what I thought <laughs> this really lifeguard funny. had said. And Crosby took that, he'll probably be fine. And just fine. yeah, ran off and made out with this woman. I was very relieved when <laughs> Caleb was like, he said uh, Jabbar will be fine, which is much more reassuring. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's like COVID. They'll probably be fine. It's You'll not probably. good enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I had that phrase in my head the whole time I was watching them make out. On principle, I was on Jasmine's side. But I have to say one thing that did bother me is that I think she was angry at him, but had almost every detail of what she was angry about wrong. Like, I think she assumes that he slept with this woman. He didn't. And then she says, you can't leave our son alone in a pool. He didn't. There was a lifeguard. So I don't think she had all the facts. And I don't think she really gave him a chance to explain. But I think where she totally busted him. And I think that it's maybe the overarching issue when she said our son isn't chick bait. You know, we see the scene where he says, can I have a play date with him tomorrow? And I think the only reason he was really asking for that is if I have him, I can go back over there and maybe I can sleep with this woman. And it's like, yeah, yep, that's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> and that is not what time with your son should be about or for. Yeah, totally fair. I did love at the end when he's like, I'm trying to be the guy you want me to be. And she's just like, be it. I know. <laughs> because it is sort of like, yeah, just I mean, he knows he clearly knows what's right and wrong. Totally. It's like, so step up. Yep. Yeah. Mom. Quick note, that lifeguard, though, he didn't know him. And like, she, you know, the woman says safety first and all, but like she, he is leaving his kid with a stranger. Like, That's I will. true. So that that part kind of would bug me, too. Well, and yeah, even the and, woman is a stranger. He doesn't know her, but <laughs> at all. Right. And even yeah. like my story, like when we were in the we were at the town pool and there were lifeguards there. But, you know, it's still my job as a parent. Like, you know, she wasn't dying, but like she needed her mom and I was definitely not listening. So I don't know. Mom of the year. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you bring up a really good point that, I mean, I have no idea what being a, a parent is like. I really don't. But I imagine it is just a million small decisions every day, which is kind of like being a teacher, except much higher stakes as a parent, you know, and and so it's it's like so many decisions you really have to agonize over. Like, I think Crosby really did agonize over that decision. You know, you could you could see him debating. At first, he even tells her, I'm going to stay here with Jabbar. He's not a strong swimmer. And then with with, you know, you who would think that you couldn't talk to a friend for a minute while your you know daughter is a strong swimmer. And so it's it's a it's a tricky thing, I would think, being a parent. And uh, there's a lot of judgment. Yeah. My favorite thing that I tell my friends who are about to have babies is, first of all, I don't like to give advice because I think that everything you need to know about parenthood is within your own heart. And like you can find that on your own journey. But I always tell my friends the biggest change to expect is that even when you are completely alone in your thoughts and you have time to yourself and you have absolutely no responsibility, you're never alone with your thoughts anymore. And you are always mentally on, where's my kid? Where's my other kid? Are they safe? Are they healthy? Even if you don't have to physically be there because they're with the sitter, they're with, they're sleeping. You're always responsible for more than just yourself at all times. And there's no such thing as complete peace within your own mind. Wow. That's it just never will be anymore. 
at least for me. That's good advice and also so intense. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just intense. It's like you yeah. could be like you could go out and get wasted and like have a great night and still like y- you find yourself being okay. Is kid A alive? Is kid B alive? Okay, they are. They are. They were fed. They're hungry. They're they're where they changed. Where like there's just a constant list it's a constant list and then you know but then it becomes second nature oh my gosh is everyone alive wow it's an awesome responsibility (laughs) (laughs) just need you to be alive that's the that's the low as low as the bar is just be alive (laughs) i think that's a pretty good bar you know (laughs) (laughs) the other thing in within the crosby storyline that i wanted to comment on was that scene when jasmine picks jabbar up and he's asleep and they pass him off. First oh. of all, I, I love when you pass off a sleeping child. It's just so cute. But I was amazed. I felt real. I, like so far, they haven't really framed Jasmine and Crosby as like they weren't in a relationship when she came through the Bay Area. It seemed like they had kind of a fling, like maybe more than a one night stand, but they weren't yeah. dating. And I feel like they haven't been setting them up romantically at all and this episode felt like the first little pinch of like oh is there a spark there and I thought in that scene I thought there was genuine heat (laughs) and I thought it was just such a unique form of intimacy because it wasn't it wasn't the usual kind of like sexual tension that you might see in kind of a soapy show he was passing off the baby and putting his backpack on her and trying to get the plane to stop making noises. It was like all this very mundane, unromantic stuff. And yet I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like, are they going to kiss? Are they gonna... Well, that's why they say, you know, like people as kind of like a last ditch effort sometimes in their marriage will, will have a, a baby or have another baby because there's something that, I mean, it doesn't always work, but there's something that really unites two people when they have a little version of themselves that you both care so deeply about. Even if Jabbar doesn't know he cares so deeply about him yet, I mean, he does, that all that is there um, intrinsically. And so I think, you know, it's really interesting to watch. It's kind of like when you say like nothing bonds two people more than like your mutual hatred of someone, right? Like, <laughs> you know, when, when, I, when I find out you hate this person too, it's like, oh my God, and it's the same thing with like loving a a mutual thing I think um you know there's something that can't really be explained when something's half you and half someone else Mm. you're forever united and that sometimes puts uh like you know blinders over you in a good and and bad way and you know in this case maybe a good way coming up no spoilers (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that is such a beautiful description I I love thinking of it that way and I had the same reaction to that scene I was just checking over my notes to see what exactly I wrote and I wrote is this a romantic spark between Crosby and Jasmine is it the first one and so I I totally agree and you're right that is a beautiful way to do it that I love this idea of other forms of intimacy I feel like this show really explores that a lot too it really isn't just your your typical sex scene sex scene sex scene (laughs) yeah well and then especially to like contrast that with the yoga mom like crosby's Mm. experience with both those people like one was way deeper Mm -hmm. and yet the other one went way farther physically yeah i just thought that's an interesting contrast it's like yeah you don't have to go that far if she's the mother of your kid and you actually respect her and care about her yeah 
All right. Well, let's go to Hattie's kind of story, which I think encompasses Christina and Julia and Adam. And so Hattie's doing this career day thing. I loved at the beginning. It did, this just made me laugh when Adam asks, what's wrong with my career? I can really answer that if you want. <laughs> yeah, he works for a shoe company. Who cares? <laughs> I feel terrible, but it's true. That's not like cool to a 15 year old. <laughs> we learned some stuff we didn't know up to now about the backstory of some of these characters. Like at the lunch that Julia and Hattie have, Julia reveals that she went to Stanford and that Adam went to Cal, which is UC Berkeley. We're obviously meant to recognize that Julia is very accomplished, a huge success. It's like, okay, so she went to Stanford Law School. Is that good? What, like it's hard? (laughs) And I I figured it was, but Stanford Law School has been ranked one of the top three law schools in the country, along with Harvard and Yale, every year since 1992. So she's not just good. She is like (laughs) elite, top of her field. And, And I thought Erica Christensen was very believable, spouting all of her legal expertise at the lunch. I like her too. I was so impressed. <laughs> what is it you like so much about her? Like, because I agree, I think she's very underrated, but what is it you really like about her? I love her? her. I think she's one of my favorites. First of all, I think she's absolutely stunning in the most like not typical way. I just could like look at her all day. Um, and without giving any spoilers, I really love, I love her whole arc in the show. And I love that whole relationship with, with Joel. So um, I just think she's a great actress. And I, I loved her in that, Oh, there's some movie, like a horror movie that she was in. Is it Swim? Swim fan? Swim fan! (laughs) I love Swim fan. (laughs) What a great movie. And she's so creepy in that, right? Yeah, she's fantastic. (laughs) Big big fan, big fan. But no, I, I love this. I'm like, and I also love Hattie. I relate a lot to her. I grew up with um a brother with severe learning disabilities and I was the older one and the one who always had perfect grades and all that so I I relate a lot to Hattie this storyline was the one that like hit closest to home as a mom for me because you know being someone who really prides herself on working right and now to not be working at all and to like maybe think of how my kid sees me now like unemployed versus like at the top of my game being on Broadway like that's a really and my kid is much younger than Hattie but um to like think of her as like thinking that someone else out like besides her mom was way more accomplished and uh that you know that got my brain going about like what do I want my daughter to see me as Uh, I thought of you so much for exactly that reason especially in the scene when Hattie is raving about Julia to Christina and kind of oblivious as to how Christina might be taking that and then Max walks in and he's like I want eggs and Christina just has to be like okay yeah I'm like a (laughs) smart capable woman Who's making my, someone eggs. my whole own life. And now I'm just your short order cook. And I thought, wow, like Blair, you would, you would like perform on Broadway and then you'd go home and be like changing diapers. And you know, what is, <laughs> what is that like? Cause like your kids don't care, especially when they're young, they don't care that you're on Broadway. Yeah. They, I'm assuming. No, not at all. And like, you know, Nolan, my baby boy was like in my belly on Broadway. And I always was saying like to my husband, like, you know, he's going to get the bragging rights that he was on Broadway versus Lila, <laughs> who was just on the national tour. I mean, come on. Like, 
<laughs> but, um, you know, I do, I think about it a lot. And, um, you know, Lila started to grasp it towards the end of like the Broadway run of Pinky Boots. She started to like understand like when I sign autographs and like she thought that was like kind of normal. But it 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 is sad that um, that will be at least right now, just such a short like little chunk of her life that she won't really remember. But of course, hopefully I'll be working again in the future. But to your point of going home and changing diapers, and I actually, that was the coolest part of my job was that I had a job that allowed me to fully do both, right? Like I wasn't working nine to five. I was working at night for the most part, unless it was a matinee. And so I really got to be a full-time mom and a full-time Broadway performer. So I got the best of both worlds and and the worst of it. You know, like I had to, I could, there was no escaping motherhood to go to work. It was, I was going <laughs> I'm to I'm just work. hearing you say that. It's like, well, when do you sleep? When's yeah, that? they didn't really sleep. <laughs> um, I would, you know, the key was just take, I just take naps. Whenever she took a nap, I took a nap. And then of course she turned like two and a half and was like, I'm not napping anymore. And then I was really screwed. Oh. <laughs> and that was just, you know, just caffeine and you get used to it, right? Like anything else. Now I, now I sleep like 10 hours a night and I'm still exhausted. And so like, you know, you know what you know, right? Like you, yeah. when you're in what you're in, that's normal to you. So right now sleeping 10 hours is like, I need that. I never had that before. So. I keep saying that, of course, this is horrific, you know, the the death tolls, you know, so I, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but at the same time, it has been weirdly nice to slow down and, oh, yeah. and spend more time at home. But I, yeah, so I, I don't lining. know. Silver lining. Silver lining. I mean, yeah. We, the four of us, like me and my husband have like never been closer then mm. like, you know, we used to be two ships passing in the night in terms of work. He worked nine to five. I went to work, you know, and, and now we just have so much time together. And look, I want to like murder my kids daily, but I, <laughs> but I also just like, I will, you'll never get this time back. And how cool I, I think the coolest thing about this, not to get too off topic, but really quickly, the coolest thing about all this is especially the baby, like we'll go to sleep one night, not being able to do a skill, let's say wave. And then the next morning he can wave. And like, wow. I, I saw every moment of that and one minute he could do it and one, and then couldn't do it. And the next moment he could, as opposed wow. to like with Lila, I'd go to work and Adam would send me a text that she started waving. And I'd be like, well, how did she get there? What did I miss? And now I'm seeing like, I didn't miss anything. Baby's just like overnight, something new happens. So it's wow. really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily all that off topic, even though it's like a, you know, a swerving around. But I mean, I think that that is at the heart of the Julia Joel dynamic is that he is home seeing all of this with Sydney. And, yeah. you know, she is really torn between missing things and kicking ass at her job. And so I, I do think that's a really interesting part of their whole relationship. Yeah. I mean, I always like want my kids to see that I did something I loved, whatever that may be, that I had a passion to do something. And if that was being home full time and you really have a passion for being home full time and cleaning that house and cooking and folding that laundry, then God bless. I do not have a passion for that. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's my job as a mom and I, and I'll do it, but like, I want to work and I want to show my kids that like, I love something that also helps me provide for them that's important mm. to me. That's beautiful. I totally see that. I agree. Well, and that's perfect because that's, I mean, Julia has that that talk with Joel about what her original intentions were with her job and then what 
her actual job is. And I loved Joel's reaction. You know, Hattie really got me thinking about why I got into the law. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you remember what I used to say in school all the time? Yeah, that you want to make partner by 30? No, I said that once. No, I said that once I paid off my student loans, I would go to work for legal aid. Uh, yeah, you said that once. And if I recall, it was after a uh, Al Gore rally. All right, Sweet Pea, you are officially dressed. Go get your backpack. Um, what is this about? Well, I got into the law to use it to help people, and all I'm doing is helping big companies crush little companies. You love crushing little companies. I know, I know, but what kind of person loves that? I loved that that whole conversation because I don't know, my mind was just working overtime the whole time. I, I thought, oh, well, if your real passion is to help people do that. But then by the end, I realized, oh, that isn't her true passion. Her true passion is crushing little companies. <laughs> <laughs> and her even saying what kind of person loves that. Then I thought, is that bad? I don't Maybe, but maybe not. You know, I mean, she's really good at her job and does it have to be noble? Uh, you know, can't it just be, you're I don't still know, helping, like, do you're still helping somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter, you, you, you are helping. It's just a matter of if you, you, you think you're helping the right person. I think, you know what, someone's got to do it. It's like a defense lawyer, you know, mm. defending these serial killers. You know, everybody needs a lawyer. Everybody has the right to a lawyer in this country. And, uh, I understand it to a certain extent, but she's still helping somebody. That's my stance. I like that. I did really think it was an interesting dilemma. And it, it just made me think about what we like culturally value. Like we're clearly meant as the viewer to admire Julia because she's successful. Right. And she certainly has like character traits that led to her success. Like she's extremely intelligent. She's really hardworking. Those are all admirable. Competitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but do we, I feel like we're maybe conditioned to equate monetary success with goodness. Yeah. And it's like, oh, sometimes that might be independent of like moral success. Are you doing something that's making the world a better place? And I don't mean to be judgy because I'm not no, saying no. that she's wrong. And there was a deleted scene on this episode on the DVD where she came over to Christina's to give Hattie some pro bono cases to look at, to add to her report. And Hattie's like, wow, how do you have time to work on these? And she said, oh, I, I don't. I don't do these. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, but because I make so much money for the firm, that's how we're able to take these on. And I thought, mm. well, that's not just a line. Like, that's true. If the yeah. firm wasn't making any money, they would not be taking pro bono cases. Correct. And so even if Julia isn't the one, I feel like maybe that would help me look in the mirror a little bit. Like, hey, I'm earning enough money so that we can take on a wide range of cases. Hmm. Absolutely. You know, I'm really glad you mentioned that deleted scene. I keep not watching my DVDs, even though I have them, mostly because the DVDs have a different theme song. And I, I just <laughs> it makes me much happier to watch uh, and get the, the Bob Dylan. But yeah, I keep forgetting about those deleted scenes, which I know I've seen at some point when I originally watched the DVDs, but it's been so long, I don't really remember. But that storyline felt a little unfinished on Julia's end. Like Christina gets the nice wrap up with Adam taking Hattie, you know, and, and all of that. But I, I was like, so is Julia still just thinking, did I do the right thing? You know, so I, I'm kind of glad to hear that that conclusion. Yeah, the second deleted scene was also Julia, but it was just Hattie at Julia's office. So I think Julia's story, even if those scenes were in, I think it would still end with that scene between her and Christina and Sarah. 
which is like halfway through the episode. And then Julia just disappears. That's true. She does. The only other thing, the only thing in that first scene that was the first deleted scene that I thought was of note was that Julia has one of those Matt Lauer doors in her office. She just presses a button and it shuts. I like Uh that. I need one of those. I want one of those in my house. (laughs) <laughs> I bet out. Julia used it for good, you know, and not, yeah. <laughs> but. I also, in that little clip I played with, with Joel and Julia, it seems like that implies that they met in college, which yes. I don't think we knew. Yeah. But then it makes me wonder, so Joel went to Stanford for carpentry? Oh, <laughs> yeah, doesn't track, doesn't track. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I, I know I, our, Melissa and my hometown, I can never do those possessives right. What's the proper thing, English teacher? It would be Melissa's and my. You did it right. Melissa's and my hometown <laughs> university, their like premier major is wood technology. So maybe he majored in wood technology at Stanford. Let's go with it. Maybe they have that. I don't know. But Let, so let's they met look up the programs, you know, I, I bet. It. <laughs> let's grind down deep. Um, <laughs> let's solve this. <laughs> but no, I, I really did the whole the whole storyline. I couldn't relate again as a parent since I'm not one, but I am really interested in the idea of just what role models are available for women and I don't know how we decide what we're going to be. Honestly, it kind of makes me think of women like Hillary Clinton who are like so unliked universally, you know, and, and like sometimes I wonder how much of that has to do with success, you know, and anyway, that might be too much of a tangent, but it is, it is interesting, you know, and, and uh, people kind of looking at her track record with maybe more scrutiny than they do, you know, male politicians. And, and, and then I think, well, would a man have the same question of what kind of person likes crushing little companies? And then I think, oh, probably, you know, men are moral as well. I don't mean to imply otherwise, but I do think there might be this pressure on women, not just to be successful, but also to be like maternal and to be nurturing and caring and loving. And, you know, this idea of like, what does it mean to have it all and if you do manage to have it all then will people just hate you like I mean I don't know those that's where my mind went I don't don't think that's unfair and like I'm often sticking up for men but I think your point is really valid because I I mean of course some men would stop to think about morality but generalizing I feel like that does probably seem like something either women would be more likely to do or that people would expect women to do. Like, oh, well, you should have a crisis of conscience if you're doing that. But if a man does it, they'd be like, hey, he's super successful. Everyone else is just jealous. <laughs> a man's crisis of conscience is, should I be making out with this woman while my kid's, while in, my the kids in the pool? I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taylor um, Swift said it best in her song, The Man. If I were a man and I did all those things, I'd be the man. Oh, but mm. I'm not, I love her. <laughs> I love Taylor. Oh, yeah. Same. Go her. I love her. Uh, well, I noticed in this episode, there are other people at Adam's job now. Hey. <laughs> Every other scene we've seen before this is just him alone in an office. And there's no sign of human life anywhere else. And now he's like walking around in a factory and it's bustling with all these workers. Maybe they're getting a better idea, a vision of what this shoe company is all about, you know, <laughs> each time we return. <laughs> they're investing too much time in caring about the shoe company. <laughs> no. <laughs> when Christina calls him at his work function, I wasn't, well, let's just hear it first. Hey, honey, what's up? Hey, honey, can you get out of your dinner? 
Uh, why, why, what? Something happened? No, 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 no. There's a three-hour bug movie playing at the IMAX, and Hattie took Max, so you know what that means. Look, you just queue up the Van Morris, and I'll be home as soon as I can. Oh, hey, Adam. Kitten's on the grill. No. <laughs> no. This, no did this, either no. of you know that phrase? I had never no. heard that. It made I me mean, laugh I, no. so hard, but no. It was it was so bad. I was like, no, you can't, we can't say that. Well, <laughs> I, so given my penchant for looking things up, I went to our good friend Urban Dictionary. And so oh, no. kittens on the grill. I mean, okay, you guys. Cat clearly, and heat. You clearly figured it all out already, but I'm quoting Urban Dictionary, kittens on the grill. A girl is aroused, hot pussy. <gasps> oh, oh, well, cat and heat. Yeah, yeah. that, that, um, yeah. Oh. I mean, sure. I don't know. It was so. It, it made me. It made me cringe. But <laughs> I, uh, I replayed that scene for my husband. He was like walking through. I was like, let's why? watch. I thought it was so funny. I was. Like, it was for me. It was the combination of Adams. You just cue up the Van Morrison, and then her saying that, and I'm like, this is what sexy time looks like for these middle aged people. And then I'm like, oh god, Mark and I are middle aged now, and it was just funny. I don't know. It was like this whole weird thing where I'm like, look at how out of touch they are. And whenever also Patty taking Max to a three hour bug movie, oh. she gets like sibling of the year medal. And as <laughs> far point. as I'm concerned. She can shut that door with Steve in her room all she wants. She's earned it. <laughs> She's earned it. Yeah. Can Can I just say my favorite part of that whole phone conversation and that whole uh, subsequent scene with him at the bar? I thought it was the most delightful rejection of the cliche that men, you know, hate being home with their wives and they've got to get out and go drink with the boys. He hated being drinking with a bunch of guys and he was just trying to get home to his wife, which, Aww. of course, it was part about sex, but like... Also, he just wanted to be home with her. Kittens on the grill. Kittens on the grill. Kittens on the grill. (laughs) Uh, I just loved that. I thought that was really beautiful. And it helped him earn some points because, you know, later in that same scene, he's then super judgy and awful. Um, So I, uh, you know, it earned him some goodwill. But anyway. I feel like he's always earning points in this show. He's kind of like... I mean, he's Superman to me, at least. I, he's he's he was almost too good of a guy. Got yeah. he got he that that graded me as we went on. Like you are too wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next morning w- when he's hung over, I was so impressed with Peter Krause's vocal work. His entire voice in that scene is pitched way lower. There's a lot of fry happening, so it sounds like he just woke up and like he had a uh-huh. hard nap. <laughs> After his two margaritas. <laughs> I think Gabby might be calling in sick today. Really? Why is that? Well, I saw her at the bar last night. You saw Gabby at the bar last night? Mm-hmm. What? She's not even old enough to drink. How could you see oh, her? Oh, yeah, she is. And if two margaritas can do this to me, I can only imagine what 10 tequila shots did to her last night. What? Sticker system Gabby was shooting tequila last night. Oh, yeah. It was like a girl's gone wild video. Oh, yeah. I also love the nickname Sticker System Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. As I'm getting older, I mean, I'm right there with him. I can't. 
I, I, it's, uh, I'm dead. I'm dead the next day. It's so, de- <laughs> it's really depressing. And my husband, who's 12 years older than me, I mean, forget it. It's like all day I'm hearing like just audible groans and moans if we, if we do anything remotely fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hilarious to, to watch that contrast between his reaction after two margaritas and then Sunny Gabby, who's all like, have you been outside yet? It's gorgeous. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Although that's another storyline, like Julia's little moral dilemma it feels like they just drop it. Like there's no mm. payoff to them seeing Gabby drinking. I think there is actually. Oh, what do you oh, think but, it is? Well, I think, um, you know, I was so proud of Gabby for having clear boundaries the whole episode. You know, like at the beginning when he's trying to change their plan, she's like, we yeah. shouldn't change what we're doing with Max. It's working. And then at the end when she's about to leave, he tries to get her to stay and kind of guilts her, you know, and is like, well, that you don't have, you've got two hours off. And, and she's like, it's really important that I have this break. And I mean, when I was her age, there's no way I, w- I would have totally caved. I would have been like, yeah, OK. And so I was so proud of her. And I thought that was awesome awesome and I also love yeah if she wants to drink in her off time like I thought he was shooting a lot of judgy attitude her way and I'm like it's really none of your business as long as she's being on time totally professional totally with it with your son and she is you just happen to see her in her private life but that was none of your business um sorry (laughs) but I just I felt strongly about that obviously it's like it's like anytime you see like any person of authority in your life like out in the real world it's it's, it's, is there like a line from mean girls it's like seeing something in the wild or something (laughs) yeah i get the i mean the judgy part obviously not so great but the um awe of it all i mean i i understood that of like oh my god but she's this like put together broad it's like when i'm um like whenever I'm like whenever I'm watching someone teach something, I'm always like I can't focus on what they're teaching. I'm like I wonder what they do under time off. Like my <laughs> mind just like wanders there. I'm I'm such a nosy person that way. So I I I understood the oh my god, this person's real. Well, and you know, I may have just been a little sensitive to that just because I am a teacher. I feel yeah. like sometimes there is all this. Um, when you're out binge streaking. Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, it is funny. I used to not even order like a glass of wine at a restaurant because I was like, what if someone sees me? I have gotten over that. But, <laughs> oh you know, God. my okay. first but no, but my first couple years of, of teaching, I felt like it was so hammered in that you weren't supposed to have like a personal life and you were supposed to be on maybe all the time and I mean I even remember my husband and I lived together for a while before we got married and my mom was like you shouldn't post that on Facebook because people will not think you're a good role model and like I think that's pretty extreme I don't think most people would actually see it that way but it was exhausting I kept thinking what will people think of me and I kind of love that Gabby doesn't seem held back by that and I think that's something that's put on a lot of women and I thought it was great that it wasn't put on her and I was like Adam don't put that on her I don't know I got very uh, protective of her well maybe I was just thinking of that as like a separate storyline rather than part of Adam's you know, maybe that factored into him realizing, oh, I need to detach sometimes. You know, I think he says, like, I can't imagine someone like Gabby working with these kids all day and then just forgetting about it at night. And Christina's like, what do you think she does? Goes home and thinks about Max all night. Right. And it's like, oh, that's what Adam's doing. 
It's like, even when he's kind of like what you said, Blair, like he's, he's never alone with his thoughts. And it's like, well, maybe you need to try a little harder and, yeah. <laughs> and don't think that that makes you a bad parent. Right. It's like, you're going to recharge and you're going to come back better. Wow. Totally. Maybe Gabby helped him learn that a little bit. I also loved the boundaries that she set because like as someone who's often freelancing, people absolutely will try and do that at every turn. And you have to put your foot down. It's really hard to stand up for yourself. And I love that she did. I also love that Christina was like, we understand completely. Yeah. (laughs) She was embarrassed, I think, that Adam was even trying to do that. Which, you know, led to this little meltdown of Adam's. Honey, you're all wound up, okay? It means that you need to take some time for yourself. Gabby's right. If you don't take time for yourself, you're going to snap. You're already snapping. Don't do that. We have a system set up. If Max cleans up his toys, he gets a sticker. Okay, okay, I'll just just live like this. And when exactly am I supposed to schedule this me time for myself? Adam, I don't know. You know, maybe we can put it on... The dry erase board. The dry erase board doesn't accurately reflect the time suck that is my family and my job. Hey, they are adults and they will manage. I don't know how it works, but it seems like everybody else has a life. You know, Crosby's got a life. Sarah moves back home to have a new life. Even Gabby's got a life. You have a life. life. What do you mean you don't have a life? I don't have a life, Christina. I have a schedule. You have a life. How do you think that makes me feel? You have a schedule? Christina, this isn't about you, then okay? I feel it? like everybody's treating me like a damn household appliance all the time. Oh, maybe maybe it's about I'd like to go for a walk with my wife, but I can't because Crosby needs to consult with me about Jabbar or Katie or Sarah. Her, you know, her kids need a father figure. How am I supposed to say no to that? I don't know. You know and then my own kids trying to get Hattie involved with family time or, or Max. God, I wish I knew what Adam, to do for Max in between the stop. special school. Adam, maybe what you need aid. to do, maybe what you need to do is take a break. I can't take yes, a break. You can take a break. Take a break. Intense. Often, I feel like TV shows are more concerned with how couples get together than how couples stay together. Like, there's tons of stories about how so-and-so met. And, oh, no, the guy lost the girl and he's got to win her back. And it's like, but, you know, you just met. Even if if you've been together for a while, it's like Adam and Christine have been together for years. And they have children and property together. And I thought this was such a good example of a fight that wasn't about soap opera-y things like, oh, you looked at another woman or you kissed another guy. It was about really mundane stuff like schedules. And it was really rooted in positive things like I want to spend more time with you. I want to have a deeper connection with you. And I can't. And how that can simmer until it boils over. And to me, that's in so many ways just way more interesting drama than like, oh, will these people that met six months ago stay together? I don't care. (laughs) I'm not invested. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's what made the show so special is that like people could really relate to that. I mean, that's that. I mean, at least to me, I don't know. You're married as well, Melissa. Like that. I feel like that mundane crap is like mostly what we fight about too. The stuff that actually isn't like rooted in anything uh, like dramatic, but just like especially with kids, at least like I'm totally the Adam, like I'll let it bubble over until I'm like, I need a day and I need you to not come into my room and just leave me alone. I'm totally that. Whereas my husband like doesn't ever ask for me time. Like he's, he's like the doer, the giver, like in, in a crazy over way, like he'll always spend time with his kids and never complain. But then he'll like, complain that he's tired and exhausted but like not draw it back to the fact that like he won't take any me time and Mm. I'm the one who has to be like you then ask for it like Mm. I'll give it to you ask for it but like he won't ask for it whereas I'm like leave me alone 
And then he takes offense. He's like, what? You don't want to spend time with me? I'm like, I've spent six months with you. I get it. It's but like, it's, it is like, you know, a common thread of like, I mean, and, and you don't have to be in a relationship or have kids to like relate to the fact that sometimes you need to just turn the off and like have some just nothing where no one and nothing needs you We're friends like nothing so I'm totally that but I'm better at asking for it earlier mm. on than than Adam <laughs> I'll be like nope I, I I need you to give me an hour so I think Adam's just got to get a little bit better about being more immediate with his feelings and his needs I think that's true and you know going back to what I said earlier about him being judgy of Gabby maybe it isn't Maybe what I interpreted as judgment was more jealousy. You know, maybe he's jealous of how free she is. You know, she gets to take a break. You know, she gets to relax. She gets to go out drinking. And I don't think he wishes for that life. Like, I don't think he wants to be young and single again or anything. But maybe just that freedom is uh, really just so tantalizing. It's right there. She gets to be in charge of her life and and he doesn't feel like he's in charge of his. So maybe that's more what it is. Um, But speaking of fights with our spouses, I have noticed that the fights my husband and I are more likely to have are the ones we have all the time. Like, and by all the time, I should say like, we only have a big fight maybe once or twice a year. Like we'll have little arguments, but like it's very rare that we have a big fight, but it's usually about like the same stuff. And and it's weird. I wonder if that's something that will happen on this show. Like it's not like Adam took a break and it's solved. You know what I mean? Like it it, right. it helps, but I wouldn't be surprised. No spoilers, but I genuinely also don't remember. <laughs> but if this is something they return to, because you don't just fix it in in a day with one break. And, and you know, I remember Mark once saying to me, will we ever work through this entirely? Whatever our, the issue was, I can't even remember. And I was like, probably not, <laughs> you know? Because I'm like, part of it is just who you are and how you react to things. And you're trying all the time to be uh, better, you know, a better version of yourself and better to your partner. But I, I do think it's not something you'll ever just totally fix. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Like Caleb was saying, you know, that that it's much more interesting how couples stay together than how they get together. And well, often how they get together is going to set up the whole long term. I don't know the right word for it, but but all the things that brought you together and the things that like the habits that you guys that sometimes brought you together are what you have to work really hard to work through to stay together. You know, there's dynamics that are set up so early on in a relationship that just keep coming up. Yeah. Well, Melissa, what you said about your fights tend to be about the same things. You go back to them over and over. I had that thought with the separate, it's not quite a fight, but to jump around a little bit with this scene. I've been thinking about this whole thing with you and Amber's teacher. His name is Mark. Well, I don't think it's a good idea. Well, thank you. Thank you for the unwanted advice. Is that why we got up so early for you to tell me? Sarah, that I listen, be when happy. I gave Amber a ride home last night, it was pretty clear to me there's a major crush on the guy. No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. You remember when you were in high school and you had that crush on Mr. Levitsky? How would you felt if mom slept with Mr. Levitsky? Oh, gross. Yeah, exactly. No, Adam, it's different. Mom was no, married and mom was mom. Sarah. Look, I just don't want to see you fall into another... Another failure. 
You know what? Because nothing I do ever no, works no, 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 out. No, no, never, you know what? never mind, never mind. Nothing. Forget about it. I just I see Amber happier. I see her engaged. I don't want to see her backslide. That's I all. see those things. You're not the only good parent. Okay, wow. And I just thought, you know, we're only seven episodes in, but we have seen Sarah's sensitivity at feeling like the worst parent in the family many times already. And in that scene, I thought, oh, she's never going to get over that. And I don't even say that to be critical of her. It's just like when we all have our insecurities that we're just going to battle forever. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's hers. And the show, I feel like, is going to be able to just keep going back to that over and over and over. It will never be resolved it kind of reminds me of on Gilmore Girls, like season six during a fight, you randomly hear Emily and Lorelai going, we were 16. We didn't want to get married. When you get pregnant, you should get married. Like rehashing stuff that happened 20 years earlier. It's like, yeah, they're still not over it because they'll never be over it. And that will be the scab that <laughs> covers their entire relationship that will always get picked at. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And I remember in that scene, Adam's reaction to her saying like, you know, I'm such a bad parent or something. He was like bewildered because obviously that's not what he meant. But right. I don't think that's one of his insecurities. And so it I don't think it even occurred to him that she would interpret it that way. And it felt very believable from both sides. You know, he's just the guy to dole out advice, you know, and, and I really wondered, should he have said anything at all? And I'm not sure, maybe, and maybe that was the right thing to do. But I wondered... Did the whole course of the rest of that storyline really go kind of off the rails because of him telling her that? Because I'm like, okay, if she hadn't been told that, then maybe when she told Amber, she wouldn't have been so self-conscious and it wouldn't have been such a like nervous reveal and, and maybe she wouldn't have felt guilty about being with with Mark because she would have been like oh she'll be fine she'll get over it maybe she wouldn't have even been attuned to the fact that her daughter had a crush on him and I'm not saying that's better or worse I'm not really sure I'm genuinely curious if you two think she shouldn't date her daughter's teacher considering the crush but it seemed like that's kind of what made everything go off to me what do you think I mean I have an interesting perspective here. I think she should not be dating her daughter's teacher. Forget about the crush, the lack of the crush, but I think, hold on for the reveal, but I think that <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's how, how long is the person really going to be her teacher? Like if you like the guy that much, you can wait to date the guy until there's no crossing of those boundaries. Having all said that I am married to my former teacher so uh, definitely, I uh, am the last person to judge if you want to date. But uh, I will say I waited to date my teacher until it was okay and appropriate. So I think she should do the same. It's just too weird. It's just too weird of a boundary. And I think, I mean, what's a few months? What He's like the SAT tutor, right? He's her, the, he's her junior English teacher and I think the SAT. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Although she says at the end, like, you know, in two years, Amber will be graduated. But I think even beyond that, he's probably not going to be her English teacher for the rest of high school. He's yeah, probably no, her junior English teacher. So it's like, yeah. uh, wait till the end of the year. And then I think yeah. you'd be... Yeah. I mean, but that wouldn't be Free good TV, right? Right. <laughs> right. I, I think him telling her, I mean, maybe it wasn't the right idea, but I think it obviously came from a place where he just wanted, 
Mm. You know, she had been at his house the night before, unsure of what to do. Mm. And then he's like, oh, now I have information I didn't have last night, which is you're debating whether or not to date this guy. And you have no idea that your kid has a crush on him. And you might want to know that because you're a good mom and because I know you and you wouldn't want to hurt her feelings. Yes. If anything, I thought it kind of revealed some selfishness on her part because when Sarah tells Amber, I met somebody. That's great. But wait, there's there's more. Uh, It's somebody you know. Who is it? It's um, your teacher. Mr. Sear. Uh, Mr. Sear? Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't Mrs. Hasbrook. No. No, those orthopedic shoes. <laughs> I mean, you like him, right? Yeah. I know. I, I, I just wasn't sure. It's great. I said it was great. Just a couple times, you know. I didn't... It wasn't... I just wanted to make sure there was something. Do you want to talk about it? No, I just want to study... Now, I kind of feel like since she has that information, I mean, I suppose she said, do you want to talk about it? And Amber said no. But I kind of felt like if you think you know that she has a crush on him, bring it up. Like, even though that's maybe going to put her on the spot, be like, I want to be sensitive because I thought maybe you had a crush. And if you do, I won't date him. Like, I, I feel like she needed to offer that. Like, if you have any discomfort around this, I won't do it. I only will do this with your full blessing. And she kind of just skirts the issue, to, which to me felt like, oh, you just want to do what you want to do. And Except, so you're doing yeah. this to say that, well, I checked with her and she said it was fine. It's but like, then she right. breaks up with them anyway. So it's it's right, which like I think the was worst kind of dumb. <laughs> it was the worst of both options, I think, because it's like she doesn't. Now you told her. You've yeah. told her and you've broken up with them. Part of me's like, well, just break up with him and don't tell her if, you know, if you were going to do that anyway. Although I guess she didn't decide until she heard Amber cry. But, you know, I guess she could have just taken it on Adam's word and been like, oh, then I should end it. And then Amber wouldn't have skipped the SATs and run off with Damien. I, I, I don't know. I just. Well, I admired that she felt compelled to break up with him after she heard Amber crying. But again, I mean, this kind of reminded me of the episode with Adam freaking out over Hattie dating. Hmm. Okay, a little clearer communication all around would have just avoided all of this. I mean, first of all, she shouldn't have been, in my opinion, not to judge, she shouldn't have been making out with him in public before she had told him. And she's like, oh, I keep trying to tell her and I just lose my nerve. I'm like, that's not good enough. Yeah. You got to be, you're the adult here. Grow a pair and talk to her about it. Yeah. Hash it out with Amber. I think they do have pretty honest communication, though they butt heads sometimes. It's like figure out if this is possible or if it's not or if you need to maybe you don't need to break up with him, but like put a pin in it. Okay, we'll revisit later. I also think like better communication would have been obviously more optimal. But at the same time, like Amber is still a kid and like she can't properly give her like blessing to yeah. that. Like even if she had said like, mom, I give you my blessing. Like, what is she? 16? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like she doesn't know. She doesn't understand the ramifications of even how that will affect her mentally whenever that may be. And they're really like, I don't know. I feel like it just should have been the responsibility of the adult to know that like, and again, that's coming from someone who's now an adult and married their teacher. But like, the, I don't even think it needed to be a discussion. I think she, again, not, not that won't make good TV, but 
just from a moral standpoint, she she should have just been like, yeah, no, th- this is going to screw my kid up regardless of if she likes him or not. To even hash it out, I feel like and ask her a blessing is like, I don't know. That's like, I want my daughter to be open with me and have like a great, I want us to have a great line of communication, but also like I'm the adult. Yeah. And like yeah. her giving me her blessing on something like she's a kid. She doesn't get a say. You know, I am blinded by how much I love <laughs> Mark and Sarah together. I think yes. they're just the cutest thing in the world. And I think you're actually, I think you're right. Like, I think boundaries are incredibly important. And I think it would be upsetting to be a teenager and, and have your mom in a relationship with your teacher and sort of that crashing together of worlds, even if you don't have a crush on your teacher. I think, yeah. I think that would, you're right. That is, that is a, a crossing of a boundary. Um, I can't see it because every time Jason Ritter's on screen, I want him to kiss Lauren Graham. Um, so oh, I totally agree. <laughs> that, that kiss yeah. in the park. Oh my gosh. It was. And I loved how when it was done, they were like, nothing. No chemistry. Mm -hmm. No spark. Nothing. Just let me try one more time. It's good writing. It's really good writing. Yeah. I can see where she would get carried away. Um, I mean, I don't think it's the right thing, but I think it's a very human thing that she got carried away. Yeah. I'd almost love to see it more that she doesn't tell her and that it's, it comes out, you know, like she catches them or something. Or school or, well, when they were know. making out in the park or wherever they were, I, maybe I've just seen enough TV dramas. I was like waiting for Amber to see them, even though I've seen the show twice. Right. <laughs> and I, like, I should have remembered that that didn't happen, but I didn't. I was like, what are you guys doing? Amber's going to catch you. Yeah. Or someone. And why is she there? It will never be explained. Yeah. We'll just, she'll, right. she'll just right. be mad. Right. 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 She's just taking a casual drive by. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. I thought the same thing. Well, and then the scene in um, his apartment, which was this beautiful apartment, you know, like really not even size wise or impressive wise, but just the, the way this 26 year old single man had decorated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put Mark's apartment is much nicer than mine was when I was 26. <laughs> Although yeah. he, he probably has a full time job with benefits and stuff, which I <laughs> did not ever have. Well, and an English teacher. So I loved all the books. Uh, you know, that was that was beautiful. And then I did want to discuss a little bit, at least the scene where he reads to her. Caddy got the box and set it on the floor and opened it. It was full of stars. When I was still, they were still. When I moved, they glinted and sparkled. I hushed. Use the truth as a weapon to beat up all your friends. That's what I wrote my paper about. No. That Amber plagiarized. I, I know. So, so tell me that that isn't weird. It's weird. Yeah. Two people from two different high schools. Decades apart. That <laughs> we pinpointed the exact same paragraph in that book. That's a little weird. That is weird. That's so weird. But I love that part. It's I know. The, the box of stars. It's such a good metaphor for Caddy. Yeah, bright and and burning. But she's closed off in a dark, claustrophobic place. But she's lighting up everybody around her. Educate us, English teacher. (laughs) Well, I like their interpretation very much. Um, But I do think it's uh, an interesting thing to note that what that literally is, the box of stars, it is just a box of jewelry. And it is 
in the first section of the book, which is narrated by Benji, who likely has like autism, like severe autism, he can't speak. And maybe that's not what he had, but 1928 is the year that that section takes place in. So Benji just really idealizes his sister Caddy. Benji is expecting his sister Caddy to be more than she is. She is a person, <laughs> you know, she is just, you know, flawed like everyone else, but she's the only person who treats him with love. Uh, everyone else treats him like a pariah, you know, uh, no one else tries to figure out what he's saying because he's, you know, nonverbal. Uh, everyone else treats him like a burden, but she loves him. So she takes time to do things like show him, you know, her jewelry box and, and try to understand what he's thinking. And it's so beautiful, but it's also sad because he just expects her to like live at home forever and to be innocent forever. He senses when she has sex for the first time and he has a meltdown uh, because she's like becoming an adult and and is moving away from him and she, she he can sense it and anyway i just thought that was such an interesting thing that really that box of stars which sounds so magical it's just something very normal and that's another metaphor he idealizes her he sees her as you know something magical but she's just a person a good person but just a person who's going to go off and make mistakes and have sex and be an adult and a woman and uh, she's shamed for it a lot. Her sexuality is a huge theme of the book, which it would not be if if uh, she were a man. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a really interesting book. And I I just thought there's all this context to that whole scene that you're not going to get into <laughs> in that scene. And I liked what they did with it, but I do you I would think not that Mark that. is idealizing Sarah? I think he way? might. I think he might be in a way. Um, you know, as much as I love them together, and I do, I have to think she's not always that nice to him, you know, like, well, I mean, I think she's nice to him, but she has already jerked him around quite a bit. He's been very clear. I like you. Will you go out with me? And I get that she's really torn and confused, but you know, first she like marks it's complicated on the little note that he sends her. And then he has to kind of go chasing her and she's like, okay, yes. But she says yes without checking with Amber. She doesn't say why it's complicated, you know? And then in this episode, she she's like wishy-washy and I, again I get it it's human I don't mean to judge her but at the same time she's already kind of tortured him a little bit and I I think he just keeps idealizing her and you know she's a person and she's doing the best she can I was surprised by two things about Mark's scenes with Amber. Mm. One, I think he and Amber have pretty good chemistry, too. I mean, not to say <laughs> yes. that, like, something should be happening there, but it's like, oh, it runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or he's just really seductive. Yes. <laughs> Can't help it. And then also, it, you know, I mentioned he's almost exactly between their ages. Like, if he's 26... And if Amber is 15, maybe 16, and Sarah's 38. He's close to her age. Right in between, but like barely. Yeah. But when he's with Sarah, he feels like an adult to me. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem like, oh, she's such a cradle robber. And then when he's with Amber, I'm like, gosh, this is a young teacher. He's so young. <laughs> it, I, he's playing towards both Yeah, ends. I was surprised that it just put him in different contexts and he ages up or down, sort of relative. I got to say, as a teacher, I was watching that whole scene uh, in his classroom with such like almost held breath because I will work one on one with a student and sometimes a male student. Um, I always make sure the door is open. I was like, is that door open? You couldn't see. (laughs) It probably was. Um, And I, I mean, I thought he was being appropriate. Don't get me wrong. But I 
I totally saw how what he was doing would be very encouraging to her, you know, making her the playlist. That's really a kind thing to do. But man, that is, is that too far? Did he go too far with that? Like, did that seem like flirting or something? Was that inappropriate? I think it I. Uh, again, I can't judge, but it totally was. Yeah. You don't think, I don't know. Unless he's doing that for all his students. That's a good point. <sighs> Maybe that's his way. I hadn't thought of this until just now. I, I would have said, oh, no, that's nice of him. And like, if he were doing it for a male student, would anyone be like, well, that's too far. But what strikes me now is, is he doing it not because she's a female student, not because she has a crush on him, but because he's trying to date her to mom? Date his mom. Oh, yeah, her it's mom. Like, if he's giving her extra attention because he it thinks it's going to earn him points with yeah. her mom, Ugh. that's really inappropriate. I actually think and that's And it's probably- really unfair to Amber. Oh, right. It's like, I mean, that's like she's being used like Jabbar. Like, mm. oh, she's not chick bait either. I think that's maybe why she runs away at the end. So I, I mean, I think I didn't get that like the first time or two that I watched this. I thought she was just heartbroken. Oh, but, I hadn't put but that n- together yeah, either. Yeah, now I think she's like, oh, this person who believed in me and thought I could do well in the SATs and made me a playlist was just trying just to trying date to my, my mom. mom. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. And I already was crushed when she didn't take the test. Yeah. And now it's even worse. Yeah, because I mean, I don't I don't think she thought she was going to date her teacher. Like, I think she did have a, a, a crush on him, but I don't think she in her head built that yeah, up. Yeah, I think so too. Same. So, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think that's what it was then, which is really sad. Oh, and really that's even is. worse. And I got to say, again, <laughs> I was just watching that scene in, in his classroom. And like, that is my whole day in a way. Like, am I being appropriate? Am I being appropriate? Which sounds weird. But I I like to talk to my students and I like to form relationships with them. And I tell them about my life, you know, and I think relationship building is good. And I think it's good not to just be this like blank person in front of them who's arm's length and very professional. But at the same time, I, I don't want to go too far and, and tell them something about my life that would make them uncomfortable or, you know, I... I I almost never hug a student unless like they're crying <laughs> that I'm like, oh, come here, you know, but I just I, I feel like that's something you have to be so careful about. So even when like Amber walked over to his desk to look at the at the playlist, I was like, God, she is really close to him. I'm, you know, and I was and again, I don't think he had bad intentions or anything, but I from a teaching perspective, I was just like, if someone walks in, that does not look good. Now, Melissa, have you ever suspected or known that a student has a crush oh. on you? Um. I found out like a year after a student had graduated, like another teacher told me that a student had had a crush on me. And I was just very glad I didn't know that at the time. But he never said anything inappropriate or I had no idea. So that's good. I like to live in a dream world where no one does. And (laughs) anyone who's laughing at things I say just thinks I'm funny, you know. (laughs) And the older I get, probably the less of a concern it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Don't say that. Well, I don't know. Just as the chasm, you know, between our ages grows like when I first started I was even more cautious with my students because I was 25 and you know just seven years older than my oldest students now I'm 20 years older so I'm a little bit more free with them like I'll you know, I'll tell a lot of my students, usually female students, but I'm like, you know, once you graduate, you want to go get coffee and hang out and talk. And I didn't used to do that, even with the female students, because I didn't want it to seem like I was trying to be their friend. But now it seems more like a mentor. Yes. Something more like that. Yeah. Well, the last little bit of story, I think, is the resolution of Hattie's plot line, 
This is the first time in the series we've learned what it was Christina did. We learned that she was a legislative deputy for a councilman or something in government, something in politics. Look around here. See this place structure and all this landscaping, these benches here? Yeah. Well, this company that built this building wanted to use every inch of this land to put up offices. Your mother stepped in and fought them. Got them to put up $200,000 to build this little park. Without her, she wouldn't be here. Wow. That's so Erin Brockovich of her. What's with her and Julia Roberts movies? She can quote Pretty Woman, even though it was like before she was born. That's so Aaron. Oh, yeah. All of her lawyer knowledge comes from Julia Roberts <laughs> movies. I was I distracted because it. I thought it was funny that she compared her mom to Erin Brockovich because first time I became aware of Monica Potter, I thought she was just like a Julia Roberts clone. I'm like, who is this? Who is this Julia Roberts knockoff in Patch <laughs> Adams? Oh yeah, that's true. Over time, yeah, yeah, over time, she's become just like Christina Braverman to me, and so I don't think of her as like a Julia Roberts clone. But that's what I first thought of her. She's even got blonde hair like Christina and Aaron Brockovich. Oh yeah, I I liked that resolution. I thought that was really cool. I mean, I you know just goes back to what I was saying before about like what I want my kids to see me as, and even if like even if I never work again in my life, like. I want my kids to know that I did and like I did really cool stuff and be proud of that. And that's like huge, huge thing in my parenting, at least for me, is to as how I appear to my kids and what I want to model to my kids, like as they grow up and what they want to do. And, you know, already my daughter is like, I want to get married and have babies and be beautiful. And like, again, that's fine and great. And partially due to my own like weird beauty crap that I've probably taught her in my own way. But I have to be really careful now to be like, and you know, you're going to find something you really love to do or something you're passionate about. Even if you stop and you want to have babies, really important that you have like a something that excites you besides putting on makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm struck sometimes by how difficult it must be to be a parent, like beyond just the, are they alive? <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. Am, am I giving them the right messages about, you know, life and, and ambition and beauty and, and like, you can't do it perfectly. No one can. And, and we have our own hangups and how do you not pass those on? And uh, that's, it must be so tricky to manage. Yeah. I mean, I think like at the end of the day, if she thinks that like putting on makeup makes her feel more beautiful, like if that's the worst of my problems, then like pretty good, (laughs) we're doing okay. You know, I just wanted to be kind. And like, that's really like the one thing we preach in our family is like, I don't care what you wear, what you do, who you marry, what you want to be like, you have to be kind to people and like, just, just be nice. Like that's all. And also that like finding a passion is really, that's our other big thing. It's just like, you have to, you have to have something that gets you going in the morning. And if, again, if that's staying home and raising your babies and doing the laundry and cooking their meals then that's awesome yeah what's part about choice right like that's that's the beauty that that they can choose that but not that they have to do that yeah yeah totally I also thought it was nice that Adam told Hattie to go hang out with Steve yes. to be 15 and have fun. But just three episodes ago, he was nailing her windows shut. <laughs> <laughs> so he's progressed a little bit. And I thought it was so thoughtful of her to bring the latte to Christina. Yeah. I, I also loved when Steve said, Did you know the sugar-free syrups are worse for you than the regular ones? Christina gives him this look that is just priceless. No words, just like, are you going to ruin this for me? Yeah. (laughs) But it is wonderful. Like, 
Hattie does go spend time with Steve, but like first she tells Adam, you know, when he's like, I know there are things you'd rather be doing. And she says, no, there, no, there isn't. And I, I believe her like in that moment. I think she really meant that, that she's happy to be having this moment with him. And I think that probably helps him feel okay about saying, yeah, go be with Steve. Because, you know, sometimes when you give someone a little bit of validation, then they don't even really need the obsessive time together. They just need the reassurance, maybe, you know. And I think they've grown a lot just, yeah, on in the last few episodes. <laughs> yeah, it felt to me like perhaps a thread running through this episode was sacrifice. You know, that Adam lets her go and that he learns to sacrifice some of his attachment to those, you know, like let go of it and take time for yourself. Let go, let go of the stress and the worry, which, you know, Christina kind of had to learn last episode with Gabby a little bit. Sarah sacrificing her relationship with Mark for the good of her child. Christina sacrificing this whole career that she had so that she could raise a family Crosby sacrificing his own pleasure. <laughs> Julia sacrificing her morals, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that you you have to put other people first when you're a parent. Totally. Yeah. I was confused when we were getting ready to do this episode because it's called What's Going On Down There. And I was thinking, like, is Crosby up to mischief on his boat? Or what? <laughs> who's doing what that's being questioned? What's going on where? Not realizing the whole episode is titled after this discussion. I have a pertinent question. You're making a first impression. You don't want to scare him away with like a chia pet. Okay, oh, Mark. Christina might be expecting something what? a more. Why is it less. every time we have mean? one of these family get-togethers, it turns into a to-do list for me? Is that what you have? Like Crosby Where? thinks changing the oil is optional. Square hair. Do you put a landing strip? A landing strip. A landing strip. Put put somebody's it? airplane. <laughs> So the whole episode is named after pubic hair. Yep. <laughs> I will point out that on um, Friday Night Lights, there is a strip club that features prominently on the show. Like um, a, a main character works there and it is called The Landing Strip. So just just throwing that out there. All these connections. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one. <laughs> Does that warrant a... <laughs> No, I I have thoughts like I think it's fine if people um, talk about, you know, pubic hair and I think it's fine to name an episode after that. You know, I'm I'm no prude, but I also thought it felt a little shoehorned into me to be provocative. Like it felt to me like, let's be edgy. We're not just a heartwarming show. We talk about, you know. Yeah. And, and it's and like, I, is that what this episode is about? No, it, you know, and, and I just. It's an odd title. Yeah, it's a very odd title. And I also kind of thought what is the sex in the city moment just all of a sudden doing here? And it didn't seem to me like I'm just thinking about me and my friends and maybe we're just not sex in the city types. But I was like, when I would go on a date for the first time or, you know, talk about someone I really liked, I just feel like that conversation, that's never where it turned. Like, well, that's the first thing we need to talk about then. You know, it was just like, <laughs> right. do, do you like them? What's going well, on? I'm here to tell you that that is how I talk to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair enough then. So We'd like I'm to get just... a wide range here on Parenthood Pals. <laughs> maybe I'm just an absolute you know what no but. you're just cosmopolitan and like very cool and yeah <laughs> i definitely talk that way and i talk way worse than that so i appreciate it <laughs> all right well, <laughs> caleb knows caleb knows i have a filthy <laughs> i noticed that this episode had no zeke no camille and no drew yep. 
Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. It also, this felt like the first episode thus far that didn't end completely happily. I feel like everything mm-hmm. up to now has had a kind of like, oh, they're all going to be okay. But this one at the end, Amber has skipped the SATs. Sarah has broken up with Mark. Crosby got busted by Jasmine. You know, we've got some dangling threads for once. Yeah. Yeah. I, it kind of made me want to watch it again if I can find the time. Oh. oh. People have asked me, like, if they're going to be a guest, they're like, okay, do you recommend I just watch the episode or should I watch the whole thing? And I'm like, well, you only have to make the time commitment for the one episode. But I found that some people then want to keep going. And that's that's really fun and nice and a testament to the show. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We're also now more than halfway through season one. Yeah, it's a short season. Any final thoughts about the episode as a whole from either of you? I don't know. I mean, what's going on down there? I'm curious curious what the other titles are. Like, I never really look at the titles of them. So I wonder if they just thought, again, like that they were being really edgy. Now I'm like, I feel like as from what I remember, it it continues to get a little racy, right? It's still prime time. Or network. Yeah. They try. (laughs) I can appreciate that. You make a good point, though, that no one watching the show on TV would even know what the episode titles were. Yeah, Yeah, I would never. But they've been like man versus possum. The deep end of the pool. The big O. Oh, okay. So they're trying. They're trying to entice you with the episode title. Oh, here's my lingering thought. I do have a final thought. The, I, I distinctly remember the first two times watching this series, you know, first when it was originally on and then once I bought the, the DVDs, so it was probably like five years ago. I did not think that Sarah and Mark had sex those times. And then this time I thought they did. Like when she says seduce me with the sound and the fury and then they're kissing and it like cuts away. I think they may have slept together, but I am not 100% sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was curious if you either of you had an idea if you thought it went that far or not i always think yes unless stated otherwise (laughs) i I wasn't thinking about it at all i just always thought that there were like certain boundaries that she had decided not to cross until she talked to amber but i i watching that scene again i'm like no i think they did and i think think they went for it i think they went for it and i think that makes the breakup even harder and it means yeah you really should have talked to amber and oh the thing in their conversation maybe jim <laughs> yeah, she never did. She break up with him. I don't know. Well, you know, and I got to say this on an earlier episode when my friend Angela was on, Caleb and I both thought she was only breaking up with Jim because she wasn't into him. And Angela was like, I don't know. This is like maybe it is a timing thing. Like she tells Jim, maybe maybe she's telling him the truth. And I just really was like, no. I think if she really liked the guy, she would still be with him. But here is a guy she really likes in Mark and. It is a timing thing. I mean, the timing is that he's Amber's teacher. And so maybe without that. But, you know, even when she says to him, this is not what I'm supposed to be focusing on. I'm supposed to be taking care of my family and I'm doing a bad job. Um, I thought maybe Angela was really like onto something when she said that it wasn't just about how she felt about Jim. It was maybe timing. And that'll do it for us on this episode of Parenthood Pals. All right. So on the Meads. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That was dumb. But um, anyway, we're at Parenthood Pals on Instagram and Twitter, and you can like us on Facebook. And you can visit us at ParenthoodPals.com. Blair, do you have any social meds that you would want to share? <laughs> I totally have the social meds. Um, yeah, sure. I'm on Instagram at BlairGoldberg44 and on Twitter at BlairDGoldberg. 
See you there. You guys should all <laughs> hear Blair sing. She is very good at it. Very, very, very good at it. Thank you so much for joining us, Blair. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you all for joining us for this episode. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.